This is the episode for Sunday, March 12, 2023. It is not safe for work. Let's get started. Today is March 12, 2023. Welcome to yet another Daylight Savings Time Change. Ugh. This is episode 32 of Sunday Morning Manga. I am Derek S. McGrath. My pronouns are he, him, his. I live stream here every Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern on Twitch and YouTube. A recording is available Sunday afternoons on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You can read my writing on WordPress and other websites at Derek S. McGrath. And you can email me at Derek.S.McGrath at gmail.com. Every Sunday, there is a live reaction to a new manga chapter. Today, we return to Witch Watch and its 100th chapter. Witch Watch is written and illustrated by Kenta Shinohara, translated into English by Adrian Beck, with lettering by Annalise Ace Christman. The series is licensed in the United States by Viz, which you can read at their website, viz.com slash shonenjump slash chapters slash witch dash watch. You can find links to Witch Watch and other content on my website, derekesmcgrat.wordpress.com. There's also a script on my website that you can read along with while enjoying today's episode. And make sure to get vaccinated and mask up out there, people. We're not out of COVID. If you like what you're hearing, please consider a monetary contribution. Putting together this stream takes a bit of work and your tips help pay down costs for setup and subscriptions. One-time contributions can be sent to coffee.com slash Derek And you can subscribe monthly at patreon.com slash for early access to content. Thank you for your consideration. And speaking of content on Patreon, right now you can get early access to my audio commentary for episode 10 of Bungo Stray Dogs Season 4. This episode has a ton of spoilers, so before you watch the episode with my audio commentary, please watch the episode by yourself first, then re-watch the episode with my audio commentary, because I just spoil so much of the episode before it gets to those revelations, and... It's going to rob you of enjoying the episode and really getting into the twists, the turns, and finally learning a major story about a certain character. You can check out that audio commentary, which you can listen to while you watch Bungo Stray Dogs on Crunchyroll. You can hear that commentary now at the $3 tier at patreon.com slash This audio commentary will be available for free on Tuesday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to my coffee and Patreon contributors, including Emily Lauer, Alec Roach, and Alexis Duran. I appreciate your financial support. Purchases on my Amazon wishlist are also appreciated. I also want to update something I wrote earlier this week on my WordPress I admit that I wrote this post not only out of my own personal disdain for what happened, but also out of a sense of obligation not only to be a better ally, but also out of a personal connection and some personal disappointment directed at this institution for other actions that has taken long before what they did on Thursday. If you have followed the news, you saw what the University at Buffalo did Thursday night. 
I used to work at and teach at the University at Buffalo. I am not surprised that they would pick the side they did Thursday night, but I am disappointed and think the university should be ashamed of itself. You don't platform these kinds of speakers. You don't invite them. You cancel these kinds of events. The University at Buffalo did not cancel this event. They deserve to be mocked that... Now they were the site of what is being shared across the internet, a video of this event that goes against what that university claims it stands for. I don't want to ignore the protesters who correctly condemn this event. I don't want to ignore faculty members who put their names to statements criticizing this event. Those protesters, those faculty members did the correct thing. And yet, the university itself still went forward with an awful event, ignored those protests, ignored the input of its own faculty. So, shame on that university. It was an insult to entire segments of the human race, but the university didn't give a shit. And having worked there, and having worked in academia, I am not at all surprised to see a university refuse to side with what is right and permit what is wrong to have a platform. God damn you, University at Buffalo. Everyone there who said nothing in protest against Thursday's event should be ashamed of themselves. Sorry for such a stark transition to move into what should be, well, I can't say what should be light or fair because that would suggest that Witch Watch is just light or fair as opposed to a story that, yeah, it does have some rough content to get through, some stuff that is haunting, triggering, and depressing. But if this chapter turns out how I think it will, and I haven't looked at it yet, but just based on how the previous chapter went, and what was teased for the 100 chapter, I'm guessing this is going to be a tonal clash between this happier manga and me approaching the shitty reality of our current time period. Or... I could be wrong since I am going to talk about how Witch Watch is actually all over the place tonally, so who knows, this chapter that I haven't read yet, I could open up and think this is going to be a comedic chapter and then by the end of it just be devastated by what unfolded. But enough of this rambling segue. Let's get on to today's live reaction, that being chapter 100 of Witch Watch. I haven't talked about Witch Watch since December 18th, 2022. That episode of Sunday Morning Manga is not available online right now. I would love to say why that episode is not available right now, but since we're still stuck in me being upset with shitty times in our shitty moment, I'm just going to repeat verbatim what I said last week. Black history matters. Education matters. Libraries and book access matter, and we're going to talk about the importance of reading in a little bit as regards Witch Watch too. Trans rights matter, gay rights matter, abortion access, birth control, STI protection, sex education, and body autonomy matter. Being able to live with disabilities, because we make our world accessible, and because we vaccinate and mask up to protect others, matters. 
Clean water and clean air matter. Inclusivity matters. Diversity matters. Anti-bigotry matters. Anti-fascism matters. Voting matters. Human rights, including the right to speak and to write, matter. And there is so much more that matters that I'm not going to mention here, only partially due to time and repeated emphasis and so that we can get on with today's live reaction. But unless something changes to better protect all of what matters, that's all I can say right now why the December 18, 2022 live stream about Witch Watch isn't here. So if something changes, maybe that can come back. If you would like to hear my thoughts on Witch Watch before, wait a bit. I'll try to edit that portion of the December 18, 2022 episode into its own segment to share later. But at least I can recap what I said way back in December 2022 and what has changed in Witch Watch since. Back in December, it was a live reaction to Chapter 90 of Witch Watch. In the 10 chapters since, we have had the Sket Dance two-part crossover, more on that in a moment, and I rambled a bit about how I didn't like the fight against Ron, at least in terms of Ron's motivation lapsing into some annoying storytelling tropes, but... You know, looking at chapter 90, I thought it was cute enough as a chapter showing more Hito training, not by doing a fighting sequence alone, but by the process of engaging in reading and showing that knowledge is just as important for learning physical combat. Gee, having young people reading books, having a manga that has its main character, one of its main characters, learning by reading and engaging in research. Young people reading books. What a novel concept. Maybe young people should be reading books. That would be great to have young people reading books and having those books available because young people want to read those books and want to have them available and it would be great to make sure that young people aren't being denied access to books that they can easily access in, say, a library or a school. This is me talking about this manga and only about this manga and only about how this manga is celebrating the goodness of young people being able to read books they can find and want to read. I am only talking about a manga and nothing else. <sighs> but I can't really talk about Witch Watch without acknowledging that it has reached its milestone 100 chapter and I am so not the person to celebrate that accomplishment. I admit that keeping up on the series has not been my priority, so don't look for these remarks to be a well-researched retrospective of the past 100 chapters. 
take this more as me catching up on Witch Watch from the last time I talked about it for Sunday Morning Manga, more than a complete breakdown of everything in the last 100 chapters. I mean, I'll touch on some things from the past 100 chapters, including where I think today's chapter will go, but... I mean, chapter 99 ended with a tease that we were going to get a brand new chapter of the manga within the manga series, Euron Mirage. Which watch didn't even strike me as taken seriously as 100 chapter accomplishment because it was already bringing it up chapters ago before the Sket Dance crossover, where one of the characters from Sket Dance interrupts the proceedings, breaking the fourth wall as they did in that series to say, Oh, hey, the manga's reaching 100 chapters, so of course we're going to do a crossover with the previous series. I mean, there's a reason Shinohara was working on Gintama before this. This is trolling your audience to think, here's a major milestone, and instead, here's probably going to be a joke chapter. I know that reaching 100 chapters is an accomplishment. And that is on top of Witch Watch creator Kenta Shinohara coming off of this after a pretty long run on Sket Dance and telling a complete enough story with Astro Lost in Space. So, why am I not more excited for Shinohara? Not everything has to be the most significant story ever. Witch Watch doesn't have to be some earth-shattering new take on its setting, its character types, its time period, the comic's medium, and honestly, I don't think it is. I think the setting is conventional. I think the character types, aside from what we got in chapter 99, and I'll talk about that, the character types are largely typical. There are little details like Morihito being pre-scholarly, despite being the ogre character of this series. The time period is contemporary, so not really saying anything beyond our current moment in time. I think the artwork in the paneling, especially in the fight sequences, is really good, but again, not exactly groundbreaking, not doing something brand new with comics that we haven't seen before. But Witch Watch doesn't have to be something that is groundbreaking. It just needs to be good and find its audience, and as demonstrated by lasting 100 chapters, it has certainly done that. Witch Watch doesn't have something to it yet that makes me think this is Shinohara's top work ever. That top work is probably going to be Astro Lost in Space, just given what it did with its twists and turns, and that you can reread it to see how that mystery unfolds. It's not as if with Witch Watch, Shinohara had to one-up himself over his previous work. I mean... Horikoshi's My Hero Academia is more detailed and well-paneled than his previous work, Umagadoki Zoo, but I don't think the plotting in My Hero Academia is necessarily better, if only because the plotting in Ozu ended before that series really got good. The series wrapped up before it could delve into all the mysteries, exploring all the curses, all the other animals they were going to meet up with, it ended before his time, so My Hero Academia had a lower bar it had to clear, and there's the reason I don't talk about My Hero Academia each week, because until that series ends, 
I'm not in a position to talk about whether the pacing and the plotting really worked as well as it could. And at least Shinohara is a step above what we've seen from other manga creators. I mean, I can't resist just trashing this person's works, and we'll get back to him in a moment, but Atsushi Okubo. It felt like he was trying to make a more mature story initially when he created Fire Force, before he struggled and regressed at the end of the series to just engaging in the worst parts to come out of Soul Eater, which makes sense given what we learn at the end of Fire Force, which makes Okubo's lapse into his own worst qualities all the more infuriating, but that's a rant for another time. Maybe if I can ever get to 100 installments of Sunday Morning Manga like Witch Watch got to 100 installments, then I'll do my own talk about what went wrong with Fire Force and what wasn't working in Soul Eater. But I'm getting off topic. My point is that I don't think Witch Watch rises to the level of intricate plotting, twists, and honestly emotional devastation that you get in Astro Lost in Space. On the other hand, it's not as if Astra was the best work ever that existed either. Nothing against Shinohara, the story is fine enough, but the twist of Astra still seemed so coincidental that the seams of the narrative threads were so obvious that it kind of ruins enjoying the story for either escapism, when it is so obviously a story, or analysis, when the plot structure isn't that incredible on rereading. Furthermore, Astra had tonal dissonance problems, alternating between high drama and slapstick so much that it robbed serious moments of seriousness and comedy of how funny it could get. It felt like in trying to create a complete story, that could satisfy what you want in emotional investment in human characters and what you want from a wacky, silly sci-fi story, it was really difficult to accomplish both tasks. To Shinohara's credit, he made the attempt. I just don't think it panned out as well as it could have. I think I'm being hypocritical, given that another series, Gintama, is even more crass in its contrast between seriousness and comedy, while it still seemed effective if just because it was so explicit in that contrast and crassness that I appreciate the story for giving me some reaction instead of leaving me feeling nothing. In comparison, Astra never rose enough to get a big enough reaction out of me. I won't say it's forgettable, but it was far less impactful on me personally at doing some of the same things I already saw Gintama pull off. But that's not a fair comparison. I mean, the only reason I'm comparing Gintama to Shinohara's works is, well, first, Shinohara was an assistant to Gintama creator Hideki Surachi. Second, there are references to Sirachi and Gintama in Shinohara's works such as Sket Dance and Witch Watch. And finally, the characters and plotting and sayings of Gintama, Astra, Sket Dance, and Witch Watch are similar enough to warrant this comparison. There are stock character types in all works that the creators then attempt to undermine. There is the intersection of tragedy and comedy. There is the mixing of genres. 
There's sci-fi and magic appearing in quotidian spaces, making everyday life seem more fantastic and making the fantastic seem more everyday. Plus, what is Sket Dance if not a PG-rated version of Gintama? In this case, both stories are about a trio of misfits trying to help people solve problems. And was Witch Watch if not an extension of the high school structure of Sket Dance? So, there's enough of a line of comparison to go from Gintama to Witch Watch that I don't think is completely unwarranted, but that's kind of like comparing different works of Shakespeare and trying to compare the major historical tragedies to the lighter comedies. Slightly different audiences, very different reactions you're trying to get from that same audience, or rather from those different audiences. But since I brought it up that Witch Watch just finished a crossover with Sket Dance, eh, it was fine. I would enjoy it more if I had finished reading all of Sket Dance, so that is less a criticism of the crossover than a criticism of me as a reader, because I did enjoy what I've read and seen of Sket Dance. But this crossover was a hard sit because of that age I'm at. The crossover was as much a story about old friends losing contact with each other due to differences in growing up, getting older, family commitments, travel, work. It is a mature enough story for a series set in a high school. Not that I think Witch Watch is only geared to a high school audience, but when that is your setting, and when this is a shonen series... Demographics are more relevant, and I appreciate a shonen series looking at what happens to characters after high school, and whether they are where they had hoped they would be. Like I said, that kind of nostalgia and that kind of retrospection are hard to sit through when you sometimes just want a silly high school story. It's not a bad thing, it's not quite a bay and switch, but it's definitely a different kind of story that I personally wasn't up for at the moment. I mean, as I said, this is a high school story, but it'd be silly to act like a high school story doesn't also tap into what are the teachers going through? What are the parents going through? What are the neighbors going through? What is the community going through? It is valuable to have Witch Watch talk about what adulthood is like, and if it gets to do a crossover with Sket Dance and get that series an epilogue, hey, all the better. Definitely better than certain other series who tried to milk their earlier franchises in order to get more out of them because they couldn't think of a decent ending to their new series. Cough, cough, Okubo, cough. But there is something that I can latch onto in Witch Watch in its recent chapters. It would be chapter 99. It's that awkward chapter about online friends who bond over their favorite comics and then finally get to meet up in person. And the fact that it's a teacher at this meetup is all kinds of applicable to me. Years ago, I presented at Anime Expo in Los Angeles at its yearly scholarly symposium. I was there to talk a bit about the anime and manga Soul Eater. After I have repeatedly bashed the series creator in today's live stream, so what do I know about hypocrisy? That symposium went really well. 
but I wasn't there only to talk about my experiences teaching comics and being a comics fan. I was also there because I got to meet up in person with another Solier fan I knew online and finally get to interact with them in real life rather than only through the internet. And that meeting was great, and it went well, and they're a close friend, and Anime Expo went pretty well. So you can imagine still all that self-consciousness that you're going from an online persona, an online presence that regardless your best efforts, you're probably still posturing and acting in a way that you think, is this really my real self or is this my real self? You're trying to figure out how are you presenting yourself and are you authentic at all times or does something change when you move from in-person physical space interaction from online interactions. You can imagine all the self-consciousness of being physically present rather than separated and mediated by how you conduct yourself in writing or how you function with an avatar instead of your real face. So I appreciated that with chapter 99 of Witch Watch, including some of the jokes it gets in about your flawed assumptions about how you think someone looks or how you think they behave based on their online behavior. Chapter 99 was a lot of fun in terms of saying up four character archetypes, how the characters imagine they are based only on their online writing and avatars, and then when they meet them in person realize, oh, you have a life beyond this fandom and a personality that isn't informed only by this one experience, but by a lifetime of experiences, whether that lifetime is just gained through middle school, or up to high school, or college, or marriage, or motherhood. Like, so many different experiences beyond this one fandom that make you a different person, and doesn't reflect on all of your complexities based on just what you write about one goofy manga on the internet. Granted, though, Witch Watch still troubles me as this is about a high school teacher interacting with high school students, whereas I teach college courses, and at Anime Expo, I was interacting with friends and colleagues who were at college age or were teaching at colleges, so the interpersonal dynamics and power imbalances were different. They're still present when you're walking into a room and acting like, hi, I'm a teacher and I'm now going to lecture about this anime and whether you're treating your audience as like students or equals or strangers or friends or trying to do a power play by acting like you're the teacher giving a lecture and everyone will listen. So yeah, that all was going through my mind trying to read chapter 99 and just feeling both cringe and also thinking that, yeah, when I read Witch Watch, there is something unfortunately creepy with a high school teacher interacting with high school students like this, regardless how innocuous this all is. As I said, if there was any good I could say about Chapter 99, the breakdown of the types of fans in online communities is accurate. You get the scholars who want to hyper-analyze everything. You get the sadists who just enjoy the suffering of the characters and what they're going through. You had the positive beacons of hope, the people who are cheering on the fan creators, the 
fanfic writers, the fan artists, and the cosplayers, and telling them you're doing good, and just being full of positive energy rather than only trying to tear things apart. And then you got the angry, bitter people who are there to tear things apart. So, yeah, if I was in any of those categories, it's definitely the scholar category of overanalyzing and the angry, bitter fan who is ripping things apart category. And to the credit of this series, I appreciate that they set up the stereotypes for how you imagine those people look and behave in real life, only to undermine those expectations for what you were expecting. To show that people are more complicated and live lives beyond just one series. That someone can be very scholarly in one setting but come across completely different in another. That someone might seem angry and bitter in their writing as they're passionate about what they don't like. But are pretty well adjusted people in real life and just get really excited about what they're reading and want to rip it apart to see how can we make this better. All of that was really cool to see which watch acknowledge and make a joke out of it that didn't feel like it was beating up the fans. And chapter 99 ended with a promise that we would get an actual chapter of Uran Mirage. And yeah, I know next to nothing about this manga within the manga. I had to catch up by reading previous chapters of Witch Watch to see what exactly is this series within a series. And actually reading chapters 13 and 48 along with reading the Witch Watch wiki. All of that helped me get the joke that this is a series that is about action scenes and iconic images over logic or plot or story or character progression. I can't say I'm above all of this. I just have been bashing Atoshi Okubo repeatedly in today's episode and yet... I'm a Soul Ear fan, despite how much I get more enjoyment out of the fan works that came out of Soul Eater than the series itself. As Witchwatch says, Uran Mirage is so inconsistent in its world building that the fans pretty much make up for it. That's kind of how I feel about Soul Eater, that for the longest time, the world building wasn't there, and the character dynamics, while impressive, were not as fully fleshed out as they could, so you get more enjoyment seeing how fans can take an original work and really add more to it and pull more significance out of a comparatively simplistic story. And then Fire Force comes along and so much for all your preconceptions and your world building. As that Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged joke goes, all of my fanfics are now ruined. So, yeah, I can't read Witch Watch and not feel attacked with that representation of Uran Mirage and that's gonna be really awkward for today's live reaction because based on the promise made in that previous chapter that chapter 100 today was going to actually be chapter whatever of Uran Mirage written and illustrated by fictional character Moko Utsukata yeah, I don't know what I'm getting into, and there are going to probably be a lot of awkward pauses and just feeling embarrassed trying to get through today's chapter. This is going to be a hard set. But, let's jump into it. Which Watch is written and illustrated by Kenta Shinohara, translated into English by Adrian Beck, with lettering by Annalise Ace Chrisman. The series is licensed in the United States by Viz. 
You can pull up today's new chapter at their website, viz.com slash shonenjump slash chapter slash witch dash watch. start on page one with very tiny prints promising us yes this is which watch chapter 100 but that's not what you're reading you're reading chapter 171 of umran mirage titled the mist mission part nine <sighs> you know i can appreciate shinohara sticking to the bits like that is commitment we start with our characters whose names I do not remember and will have to pull up to figure out who is who. Thank goodness we're still having the wiki pulled up here. We have our three main characters, Kusama, Akisuki, and Namisaki. There's probably a joke there that I am missing regarding how those names may sound generic enough to apply to anyone. Our three main characters are facing off against their antagonist, a long-haired character that looks like they emerged out of 6P. Man, Lucky did not take the cancellation of that series very well. Our characters are doing what you would expect in a shonen that is shouting surprise at what they are seeing. Very much a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure of this cannot be kind of a situation. The antagonist is escaping through the gate closing. We also have the joke again about the vagueness of various MacGuffins you use, or rather plot devices you use to facilitate the antagonist beating the heroes. In this case, one of our protagonists is thinking, to think that would suddenly turn out to be useful now, where the that is just left there. I mean, this is the equivalent of what I heard in middle school than when you're using vague words like thing and it and that, and you're not clarifying what you mean. Now, granted, that can work in the very philosophical bent where you can't put a name to something, but kind of hard to make that work in your sword and magic manga series. So anyway, that's page one. Moving on to the next pages are... Antagonist is certainly taking a sweet time to disappear. Like, again, I don't know how much of this is a gag on what we see happening in manga overall, because these are kind of the snippy comments I would be making anyway. This is a bit of an extended aside, but there's a problem with my generation that grew up on Mystery Science Theater 3000 and the snark of the internet, where it feels like every series wants to be on the inside in the joke. That could be a problem with what Witch Watch is doing, where you run the risk of, we're all in on the gag, which means it's not as funny anymore because we're all in on the gag instead of feeling like we organically arrived at the conclusion that this is unintentionally funny. If I could give a shorthand example, think about what a bridge series did to getting some of the humor, unintentional humor, out of Dragon Ball Z. And then how that loops back around when the Funimation dub starts adding in references to Team Four Star material, 
where now it feels like pandering rather than something organic or an in-joke with the larger audience. I guess my whiny complaint is, did we really need to hear the mispronunciation of mustache from Vegeta in order to ascend that meme into the main series? At least when Goku was singing one of the Dragon Ball theme songs in the dub when getting back to Nimbus, that was adorable and was enough of a gag that you could laugh at how absurd it is, as opposed to... Here's a group that is making fun of the original series, even if making fun of it out of love, and now we too are going to agree that, yeah, this is all pretty silly and not take it seriously. I can appreciate Shinohara here saying, don't take the tropes in manga overly seriously. You do need to laugh at how there is a paint-by-numbers approach to some stories, that this villain getting away may not be that different from what we get with Dobby escaping with Bakugo and My Hero Academia, or Shigaraki pulling out a new power-up every time to survive the battle against Mirko and others. I get it, but sometimes you kind of like a story taking seriously its own conceit instead of just acting like none of this matters and it's just fiction, so don't think about it. Anyway, our antagonist is laughing at the heroes, admitting that you lot pushing me this far wasn't part of my plan. So at least this antagonist is more honest than All for One is in his final battle. The characters are all shouting instead of trying to get to the antagonist, with one of them even saying, I think we can still reach him, and it's like, you could also reach him if you actually just started running instead of monologuing. The antagonist calls out to one of the main characters, Akizuki, to mention the insignia that is on his... the insignia that is on the collar of his jacket. And before announcing what he was going to tell him, upon seeing the insignia says, oh, I see, that's what that is, and decides to just disappear and not say anything saying that I will save it for the next time we meet. Everyone then shouts, hurry before the gate closes, and then the gate closes because they were all standing there. I want you to imagine how much more effective this might work in animation, and even then, that would still probably be eyeball rolling for me. Again, me being nitpicky and saying, can't you just enjoy something for what it is instead of hanging a lampshade every time that you see the problem it's a comparison of that blue beetle short that came out from warner brothers maybe a year or two ago that was trying to make fun of the 1960s spider-man animated series and i from what little i saw of it i was just miserable seeing through it thinking so you're just going to do a parody of the spider-man and how crappy you think animation of that time period is instead of doing something, you know, interesting instead of just shitting on something. It didn't come across as fun. It wasn't like the series finale to Batman the Brave and the Bold where it's the last episode, we're just going to go wild, we're going to make every reference to everything that gets the series canceled and just wrap it up there while also making fun of how Batman has never been consistent in tropes, including about the use of firearms. We're going to make fun of how overly merchandised the series is, how 
even its own series was getting stale and following the same formula every week. All of that works. I don't know if it would have worked here because one way I can explain why this gag isn't working for me is to embarrass myself and say, you know that gag series in Pop Team Epic? And then you're following the little teasers at the end each week saying that we're going to get a new episode of that romantic slice of light comedy. And then the teasers start getting weirder and it starts becoming a story about resurrection and angelic beings. If that series really existed, I would thoroughly enjoy it. Like a slice of life story that then becomes some weird meta commentary and some Evangelion-esque joke. I would be eating that up. Like, I want that series to exist. I want something I can enjoy and not just laugh at out of a feeling of superiority, acting like, look how derivative this is. Sometimes you just want something silly and derivative, but also heartfelt and emotional and just bizarre, which the teasers at the end of Pop Team Epic definitely got there, so... Who knows, maybe if Witchwatch gets an anime, they could do the same thing where they do teasers for the Mirage series. And showing my ignorance, I'm now realizing, oh, the series is called Mirage because the series doesn't really exist. It's a story within a story. Why didn't I see that earlier? Anyway, the gate closes. No one is able to reach it. The four main characters are there, and then for some reason there's now a fifth main character behind them who looks like they're missing a leg and is just collapsed on the ground. Flipping to the next page, they are now at a meeting with their commander, I guess. They're all silent when having to admit they let the opponent get away. The commander, the lion head one, Sagrin, just makes animal noises. I do appreciate the meta gag where one of the characters is now criticizing the commander Fuwa by pointing out we didn't even know what we were doing. Like, if that isn't a good joke about sometimes a creator has no idea what they were intending to happen in the story, they just let it happen anyway. The commander Fuwa is now doing the Gendo pose with fingers interlocked and elbows on the table. They're asking, why were our orders so vague? So when I flip to the next page, this is either going to be the manga breaks apart and they just acknowledge no one writing this knows what they're doing, or it's going to be the creator of this manga within the manga having an advertisement saying, what do you think was happening? Why don't you write it in your own fanfic? So flipping to the next page. Nope, it just keeps going on. Kind of wish we had gotten that kind of a silly gag a moment ago. The characters are all speaking to each other. The Lionhead character is still doing the animal talk. One of the characters here looks like one... Yeah, one of the characters here looks like Nobume from Gintama. I wonder if that was an intentional gag or not. Now the characters are admitting that their opponent is someone who uses dark mist to hide what they're doing, so how were they supposed to know what was happening? Again, kind of laying on thick the meta joke that what happens when a creator doesn't even know the plot of their own story. The characters are then all shocked upon learning that the antagonist may have been able to go back in time. 
a character again shouting, I don't understand what any of this means. And then the lying character, Zack, tries to explain, but no one can understand what they're saying either. Before the characters themselves are all realizing we shouldn't be seen here acting like we don't understand what is happening. We should just get on with the story. I'm going to have to give credit to Ace Chrisman on this. This is a glorious translation to have the Edward Elric character lapsing into this Shakespearean speech with Dost and Wherefores. Once again, extended pause where no one understands what is being said. We then cut to the aftermath of a training montage. We get more lore building where we're just told that one of the characters is what is called a whiting lane. We then name drop a character and mention a vague prophecy and a legendary sword. And then that they found the legendary sword off panel. We now cut to a gathering of our League of Villains, which all have... Basically, it's a mix of what you would expect from Bleach, Undead, Unluck, and maybe... Maybe the MLA from My Hero Academia. Again, another Cabal group with their own vague thematic structures. A little bit of... Seraph of the end thrown in with the third seat antagonist looking a little bit like one of the vampire characters there, even using the same kind of font structure. And again, I think I miscredited the wrong people. Um, right, so credit to Chrisman on the lettering there and varying it, and credit on Beck for being able to do that kind of a translation with the wherefores and the doubts. So again, if you're a Witchwatch fan, maybe you're getting more out of this than I am. For right now, this just seems like an extended parody of various manga. And it's not really sticking with me because we're not in the middle of it. This seems... I'll say this. It's better than what I've seen North American comedy try to do in the last 30 years. Making fun of anime where it's either something really naughty and pervy, or it's just Pokemon, or it's just giant robots, where there's not a variety of looking at, no, here are actually all the different stylistic choices. Like, credit to Shinohara being able to panel this and say, isn't it kind of funny how we can have a giant one page that is just a character coming into a room to sit down, and we have for no reason that one panel split up into three different panels with a doom sound effect over it and having the panels be so pointless that one of them is literally just a triangle in the upper right hand corner that is just showing part of the stained glass windows. Like, that is a good gag and if I was reading this more closely I would be picking up more and more on those kind of gags. As well as the fact that all the seats being listed are listed in the wrong order. The fact that the one who has a star on their hood that they're wearing is in the seventh seat when wouldn't the gag work better with a five-pointed star if they were in the fifth seat? Or maybe that's not an intentional gag and I'm missing it. There are probably jokes around the characters' names in relations to where they're seated where the names would really work better if they were in different seats. I don't know. I'm... 
just spitballing here. We cut back to the characters locating the sword. We get very dialogue-heavy word balloons. The one villain here, let's see, their name, Ohira, is just on a long, rambling monologue about the heaven documents, the hidden words, the heaven description, the heaven inscription, the inexplicable malady. I mean, again, credit to the translator Beck on this for just realizing, okay, we're going to need a ton of adjectives here to really pad out the word count to show how full of itself this fake manga series is. We now see the legendary sword is literally called the Mirage, which, again, kind of a good joke that, of course, the MacGuffin you're hunting is a Mirage, is something that doesn't exist and has kept eluding these characters if this chapter doesn't end with someone from witch watch reading it and just commenting what the hell did i just read i don't know i think that would have been a good ending for this chapter we get a flashback within this event and then that cuts to them continuing to talk and then yet another flashback evidently understanding what zach was saying this whole time our character says to the other one to hold their hands. Let's see if we get any yaoi joke here. If that sword ever does choose a bearer, they'll have the potential to possibly become the greatest faint. Again, I'm kind of laughing that your accomplishment in life is becoming the greatest faint. That's like having a boxing series where all the character would be good at is psyching out their opponent, but not being able to deliver one punch. Crip it with me, we'll pull it together. These are lines, just like we fight together as pals. They manage to remove the Mirage, and we get the title drop, at which point Frank, because of course that's the name of the hooded character, it's just Frank, falls back in their chair and everyone is shocked. And we're supposed to care because this minor antagonist we've never heard before, Frank, is the one collapsing. See, I'm really hoping now that Witch Watch does get an anime. Because I really want them to add in a scene where some character, Nico Morihito, is trying to watch this and just or read it. And it's just like, what the hell kind of crap did I just sit through? And speaking of which, that is what I just sat through trying to get through this chapter, so... Shinohara definitely learned enough from working on Gintama and Sket Dance as to how do I troll the audience. I'll wrap up there. Thanks for listening to this week's Sunday Morning Manga. I'll end with this question because, like hell, I'll be able to pull anything out of what I just read today. Have you had experiences in real life with fans of something you enjoy? Have you had an experience like they had in Chapter 99 of Witch Watch of moving from an online space to interacting with fans in real life? I mean, I said I met up with a Solier fan in person after hanging out with them online, and that is what happens to the Aura Mirage fans. Were those positive or negative experiences you had with fans in real life? And... I'll save this for another time, but I have my own story about running into Soul Ear fans during an airplane flight and just having 
what ended up being a three-hour airplane flight conversation with complete strangers about, and then this happens in the manga, and how you think it's going to end, and how you think it compares to the anime, and what do you think should happen with Corona? So, that went on and on for three hours. In any case... Let me know what kind of positive or negative experiences you've had with fans in real life. You can share those in the comments section or send me an email, derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. As a reminder, keep your feedback respectful. We are cultivating an anti-bigotry space here. If you like what you heard, please let me know. Contributions at coffee.com slash derek.s.mcgrath and patreon.com slash derek.s.mcgrath are appreciated. Please include a note to let me know what you liked in the live stream and what you would like to hear more of. You can join other coffee and Patreon contributors such as Emily Lauer, Alec Roach, and Alexis Duran. Thank you all for your support. And if you like what you heard or didn't like what you heard, please check out other people's awesome stuff. A blog roll of recommended people to check out is on my website, DerekSMcGrath.wordpress.com. But today, I want to plug the work of Ian Javier at Monsters of New York, including his recent look at the continuation of the series Gargoyles, again in comic book format. You can read Ian's writing at nymonsters.wordpress.com. A link to his piece about Gargoyles is in the description. And one more thing before we wrap up today... Wisconsin is having a judge election on April 4, 2023. Please read the post in the description from Paul Hogarth at Daily Coast to learn how you can get out the vote. It is important for elections moving forward that a responsible person sits on the court who will make sure the right to vote is protected and that votes are counted accurately and that the vote totals are not undermined by a legislature ignoring the vote count to install the candidate they want. Please read the link in the description for how you can help campaign ahead of this April 4th election in Wisconsin and make sure to vote. That's all for today. Next Sunday morning, we're going to look at a newer manga series, this time looking at the kind of Naruto XP Gianchi X as we look at chapter 9 of this newer manga series. Stay safe out there, people. Make sure to mask up, get vaccinated, register to vote, campaign against fascism, and learn and practice anti-bigotry. Until next Sunday, I've been Derek S. McGrath. You have a good afternoon. Bye. Sunday Morning Manga is intended for information and entertainment purposes only. It is not endorsed by any companies mentioned, any persons mentioned, or any financial contributors mentioned. All names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content is the intellectual property of the speaker, me, unless otherwise indicated. The views and opinions expressed on this live stream are those of the speaker, me, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any other persons mentioned in this stream. Music today include the tracks titled Los Angeles by Music Production, Sunshine by Lemon Music Studio, Kawaii Friends by C. Coty 3, alias Alexander Lisenkoff, and Over the Edge by OY Studio. These songs are royalty-free and available at Pixabay. Links are in the description.